0: Welcome to the Center for Transformational Healthcare Leadership's podcast, From Clinical Healthcare Leader to Healthcare Executive, an Executive's Perspective on Transformational Leadership. Transformation comes in many forms, and the driving factor is different for each of us. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Rogers, and joining us for this episode is Mr. Brian Connor, a Senior Healthcare Executive who sought leadership opportunities in a variety of healthcare positions, each with progressive responsibilities, culminating in his current position as division chief operating officer for Health First, a fully integrated healthcare delivery network, where he holds system responsibility for all outpatient wellness and ambulatory services within Health First. Mr. Connor is a fellow in the American College of Health Executives and holds a Master of Science degree in Healthcare Administration. He began his healthcare career as a respiratory care professional with credentials as a neonatal pediatric specialist and adult critical care specialist. Bachelor of Science degree in respiratory care completed his formal education in the respiratory care profession, where he excelled as a clinical healthcare leader. Mr. Connor, thank you for joining us today to give us your perspective on transformational healthcare leadership.
1: Dr. Rogers, thank you for the opportunity to join you today. It's certainly a distinct honor and privilege to be part of the podcast
0: series. Thank you. Now let's jump right in. When you first began your formal education and career in respiratory care, was it always your plan to advance to the level of senior healthcare executive? And what was your early motivation in this trajectory towards healthcare administration?
1: You know, that's a great question. To be honest, my my goal entering healthcare was solely to serve our patients and become the best clinician and respiratory care practitioner possible. Throughout the first half of my career, I never wanted or even saw myself rising above the clinical ranks. In fact, I would imagine if you asked my younger self if I would ever be doing the job I do today, I I would probably tell you that you're crazy my decision to transform from a clinical leader to an executive leader was based on a very personal experience I had as a patient. Life has this unique way to center you just at the point that you think things are all figured out, and that's exactly what happened to me. I was at the peak of my clinical career. I woke up one day and lost complete sensation on my left arm and motor function on my left tricep. The next day, I underwent an emergent cervical fusion to stabilize my cervical spine and hopefully restore nerve function to my left arm. Fortunately, all that went well, but in subsequent days later, I developed several life-threatening post-operative complications from that experience. Essentially, in short, what happened, uh, somewhere in my body, there was a blood clot that distributed all throughout my lungs and created thousands of little micropulmonary embolies. Through that acute phase of my complications and well into my recovery, I was able to uncover numerous opportunities Within the healthcare delivery system to improve patient safety, improve positive outcomes, and ultimately improve harm throughout the healthcare industry. I can still vividly remember to this day laying in ICU wondering if I would ever even have the possibility of coming back to work. I can distinctly remember a conversation with my wife where she facetiously asked me, so what are you going to do now? And I can still remember looking out the window and my response was adamantly that I was going to one day run my own healthcare organization and ensure nobody ever went through what I did as a patient. And that's exactly what happened. While my role as a respiratory therapist played a vital and integral part of the healthcare delivery team, I felt called upon based on that experience to enter the executive realm of leadership so that I could play a much larger role in remodeling healthcare delivery. The other question that you posed was really around formal education. At the time I chose to advance my education in healthcare administration, my motivation was really to just serve as a vehicle to improve and augment my clinical leadership skills with the goal to strengthen my knowledge and skills as a director. I'm certainly thankful retrospectively that I proactively pursued advanced education because it served as a tremendous catalyst for executive growth.
0: Speaking of advanced degrees, your very first position of leadership was as a lead respiratory therapist at a large acute hospital even before you completed your associate degree in respiratory care. How were you able to attain that level of leadership so early in your career? Did you have a healthcare mentor at this point?
1: I did. I had a host of of mentors. I think, you know, I was very fortunate that my respiratory care program that I was enrolled in provided a tremendous platform to allow me to rotate through a variety of clinical settings throughout my first year of education. At that point, I was able to be employed and credentialed as a certified respiratory therapist while pursuing my second year of education and advancing my credentials as a registered respiratory therapist. I was fortunate enough to be offered a position at the same hospital where I had just completed my clinical rotations, which offered a really seamless integration and clinical experience. Based on my clinical rotations, Immediately upon hire, I was afforded uh, lead responsibilities where I managed shift assignments, uh, optimized the workflow, and addressed any clinical concerns despite being very new to the field. As changes occurred within a pretty short period of time, I was able to move within the first two years uh, into a manager role and then two years subsequently into a director position and uh, enjoyed a lot of opportunity throughout the first four years of coming into the field of respiratory care. I should probably mention though, that while my leadership trajectory was unique, this was not my first leadership opportunity. Prior to my journey becoming a respiratory therapist, my first job was with the Sports Authority. Many people remember that organization. They were a large national sporting good retailer nationwide. Uh, Since then, they've been out of business for about 10 years. But nevertheless, I started at the Sports Authority at the age of 18, as a part-time sales associate in the fitness department. Within about six months, I became the assistant store manager. And within about a year and a half later, I became the store manager of their flagship location down at Sawgrass Mills Mall in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Interestingly enough, at that time, I was the youngest ever store manager in the company history. So that, that really set the stage where I had some leadership opportunities in advance of my respiratory care profession. I think the other part of the question really on mentorship, certainly for me, mentorship has been a vital piece of of my leadership trajectory. It's been critical around selecting mentors that really improve different aspects of my development. I think in addition to traditional mentorship, it's probably also important to note that, uh, which is closely correlated, that professional coaching has also served as a strong vehicle for me, of course differentiating the two. Coaching tends to be much more structured. It's much more targeted and more formal, but I certainly feel for myself, mentorship and coaching, I've used synergistically to leverage a really rich environment of continuous development. I think it's important that there are three notable mentors that have really helped me throughout my healthcare journey. The first one is Ms. Madeline Nava. She She was my first boss in healthcare, also a respiratory therapist by background. She's currently a CEO in the South Florida market, and she really showed me the pathway to transfer from a clinician to move into executive leadership. The second notable mentor for me is Mr. Justin Doss. Uh, uh, Mr. Doss was my boss in two previous jobs and really provided a strong foundation for me in the domains of finance and strategy for executive leadership. And then while I've probably never told this to you directly, nor did you know it. it would be part of my dialogue. You've served as a tremendous mentor for me over the past 25 years. Uh, while your job was to teach me cardiopulmonary medicine and respiratory care, the leadership skills that I generated out of the program uh, many, many years ago set the foundation for my entire journey. And without those three individuals, for me, certainly I would not be where I'm at today.
0: Well, thank you for placing me in your list of instrumental mentors that have facilitated your healthcare transformation. You mentioned your first administrative position as administrative director meant leaving the respiratory care profession. To what do you contribute your transformation from clinical healthcare leader to a healthcare executive?
1: So yeah, the the role that you mentioned as the administrative director was a really great one for me at the time. It was a hybrid role. I had a combination of some direct clinical leadership, which was certainly within my primary clinical domains, which were departments such as respiratory care, cardiology, sleep medicine, a lot of very clinical departments. But I was also afforded the opportunity for some executive level leadership with performing functions such as managing productivity and labor throughout the entire hospital and and our West Florida division. I was also accountable for emergency management and some project planning, and really gave me the first big picture perspective, if you will, of executive leadership. My first true dedicated executive role was with JFK Medical Center in Palm Beach, Florida. My employer at that time had a really robust leadership development program that took high-performing directors and through a very rigorous selection process they would place them in tracks such as a COO, CFO or CNO depending on their their skill set. Through that opportunity I served as the vice president of operations in Palm Beach, Florida and I provided clinical support and ancillary leadership. I also provided leadership in the realm of emergency management and preparedness which certainly serves a good point, uh, given the uncertain times we're in today, I also oversaw construction and all of our freestanding emergency centers. I think one of the things that has yielded the strongest ability for me to contribute from a clinical healthcare leader to an executive was my strong foundation in clinical medicine, particularly in cardiopulmonary science. And so I've been able to use that clinical skill and acumen to deeply engage clinical conversations with our care teams, our physicians and really understand and correlate what life is like as a bedside clinician and be able to connect that to the workforce in a purposeful way and using that as a fulcrum to be able to drive organizational improvements.
0: Between your role as lead respiratory therapist to your current position as division chief operating officer, you've held an impressive array of positions, including vice president of operations, Healthcare system, chief administrative officer, and hospital president. Were there sacrifices or trade offs you can share with us as you took on more executive responsibilities with each position? And how did you transform yourself to be successful in each progressive role?
1: There's no question life as an executive requires sacrifice. I've certainly had to sacrifice time with my family, I've sacrificed time for myself but throughout the years, I've never really seen it as a sacrifice. As a senior healthcare executive, I'm accountable to my community, my patients, my customers, and my associates 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's a conscious choice that I've made day in and day out. It's a choice that I'm willing to make and I'm willing to serve. The drive to improve quality, improve safety, and lead an organization far outweigh any personal sacrifice that's required for the job. I'm super fortunate to have a very strong support system, and certainly I couldn't do this without my family, and we all understand that it's a continuous balance to be able to fulfill my professional obligations, but also stay very connected to those around me who support me. I think it's an important aspect to reflect on here, though, when we talk about balance to remember that to take care of others, sometimes we also have to prioritize ourselves. And so for me personally, I'm always trying to find new, different and creative outlets to challenge myself both mentally and physically. So current state uh, that really consists of you know, fitness activities such as CrossFit, I run ultra marathons, I do Spartan races, whatever I can do to really challenge myself mentally and physically, and also periodically disconnect and allowed just that chance to prioritize myself so that I can care for others. The second part of the question really around, you know, transformation and and how we've done that. Honestly, there's been four key principles that have guided me throughout my entire leadership career, all the way from a frontline supervisor or manager to present day, and I still hold these four key principles near and dear to our leadership practices, day in and day out. And they're really very simplistic in nature. The first one is is really to place associates and customers at the center of every decision. And while I think there are a tremendous amount of people that say that, uh, I really do mean that, that core principle number one is always what is in the best interest of our associates and our customers first and foremost. The second leadership principle for us is everything rises and falls on leadership. That's not a really new novel strategy, but I certainly make it very clear to our leadership team that they must earn their leadership each and every day. We have patients and customers and associates and our community that are relying on us to fulfill our part of our leadership obligation each day. And each of us are required to do so on a continual ongoing basis. The third key principle is to win, we must expect to win. And really what that centers around is establishing a team-based mental mindset of winning. We get so often caught up where our first reaction is to say no or to find a barrier to performance or execution. And it's really around establishing and figuring out how to find the yes. And it comes back down to having a strong mental mindset that we're going to be able to win and we're going to find the solution. And then the last one is, I think, where... Healthcare as an industry comes down to some challenges, which is never to make act, never mistake activity for achievement. In the end, it all comes down to execution. I think oftentimes we get so wrapped up and we feel very busy and, and certainly everyone feels like they have a lot of activity going on, but I would question how much of that activity uh, yields achievement. And so really having robust scorecards and documenting the ROI on our time as leaders, is very, very important to ensure that we're not mistaking activity for achievement, that really in the end, we're making sure we execute the plan effectively.
0: It sounds like your four key principles have become your daily mantra. What advice can you give current or emerging leaders who want to advance in healthcare administration? And what was your transformational aha moment?
1: So I think I would offer the following advice to any current or emerging leaders. The first one would really be just to be of service to others by consistently placing associates and customers at the center of all of our decisions. I think now more than ever, the ability to practice resilience is key. Resilience is one of those things to overcome stress and adversity is an adapted skill over time. Certainly I think, Leaders need to continue to challenge themselves both mentally and physically in a lot of different ways to continue to advance their resiliency. I think another really important piece of advice that I would offer is to have humility, in that, you know, the lives of others are weighing on our ability to connect with each other. And certainly, current state, when we're much more in a virtual environment, it's never been more critical to have a strong sense of humility. The last couple that I would offer is, is you know, not to be afraid to take risks. By that, I want to emphasize calculated risks, but I want to emphasize sometimes it's the failures that teach us the greatest lessons, and sometimes we, we have to take calculated risks to be able to serve our community in a way in which it's required. And so not to be afraid to, to fail. And the last one, and I think never more apparent than current day, is to remain agile. Healthcare continues to evolve at an exponential rate, And we have to constantly be prepared to adapt. I think personally, my aha moment was the story that I opened up with, which was really around my own personal experience that I had as a patient, knowing that healthcare as a delivery system could do better and that it should do better. Also knowing that I personally had a pivotal role to transform healthcare delivery so that no one would suffer the same degree of harm or the experience that I did as a patient. To this day, that patient experience that I had, it drives me, it inspires me, it passionately fuels me in everything that I do, and without question was my calling as an executive leader.
0: Mr. Connor, thank you for joining us today and for giving us your insight on successfully transforming from a clinical leader to an executive leader. We know our audience will benefit from your perspective and advice.
1: It has been a tremendous honor to join you today. Thanks again for having me.